Welcome fellow pilots and other podcast listeners. I'm your host, Strategic Communications Chairman Captain David Campbell, with another Alaska Pilots podcast. We're here today to talk about the COVID-19 and the effects that that's having on our career. Uh, I've got Will McQuillan in the studio who will share some thoughts with you and what your MEC has been doing um, in the last week or so. Before we start on that, I, I, I would like to put a little bit of perspective on this and please forgive me if uh, I, I don't mean to sound like I'm minimizing the seriousness of this in any way or the stress and anxiety that I'm sure most of our listeners are going through at the moment. As we all know, uh, especially now, our industry at times can turn on a dime and you're seeing that today. In the future though, I can't imagine a world where the airline industry will no longer exist. So things will turn around, but before they do, we have some hard times ahead of us. And that's what we're here to talk about. Yeah, I agree. Thank you, David. And I know you kind of kicked that off nicely. It's hard to take a 30,000 foot view sometimes when there's so much that's changing and so much uncertainty and what seems to be just you know, a daily barrage of from bad news to worse news. And it really becomes hard to compartmentalize kind of, you know, the the reality is that, you know, at some point the industry will recover. It's just how rocky the path is for each of us as individuals on that recovery that I think has got, uh, you know, the anxiety is so high. You know, I know you've uh, certainly been here as long as I have longer. And so you've been you've weathered a couple of downturns. Yeah. I mean, the, the first one was 9-11, of course. And um, the in, you were affected more than I was by the economic downturn. But we, we have seen these come through our industry. And, and I think another thing that may be valuable is that ALPA, well, they don't exactly plan for these. We know that they're a potential. And so there are a lot of professional resources that are available to handle these sorts of dramatic shifts in our industry. And all of those things have been activated. And there's a lot of work going on to just help us weather this storm as, as best as possible. Yeah, you brought that exactly. It's what point I was going to make that there are plenty of resources that, that Alpa has kind of developed the muscles to deal with these, uh, you know, adversities. Unfortunately, when they they happen, at least we have resources available. And uh, like you, I've been through two downturns. Of course, nine eleven when I wasn't on property here, uh, and then in two thousand and eight during the the economic slump. Both times uh, as a very very junior pilot once furloughed for a furlough that ran for six years and then once under the threat of furlough when I was here in 08. So I, I totally get the anxiety. And as I said, the fact that I think every pilot turns on the news and you're, you're looking for some semblance of when we found some certainty, <clears throat> you know, when we found bottom and it just seems to get worse. Uh, specifically, you know, this week, I think the the thing that had people sit up and take notice was the 70% capacity cut that was announced by Delta. Yeah, and that makes people wonder what's going to happen at our airline. Yeah, exactly. People are trying to extrapolate what's going on at these other properties and what it means for us here. Uh, as I've said before, uh, I do 
have regular briefings from management, you know, uh, almost daily at this point with what they're hearing, what they're seeing. And, um, you know, we, we also have to cross check some of what we hear from management against our resources at Alpa. And I guess that's the important part um, in terms of trying to contextualize, you know, what does it mean for us here at Alaska? So in your conversations with the company, I, what's going on now or how would you describe it? I mean, or I might put it this way. We're, we're kind of in a mode right now of preserving capital and that cash balance as best we can. And so the company is undergoing initiatives to, to hold on to that. Yeah, I think well, every airline is at the moment. There, There's kind of two things going on. Um, one is, of course, a uh, cash protection uh, cash saving, any type of initiative that, that helps stem the, the bleeding of, of the cash. And that's certainly going on here, things that we've been discussing. You've seen it already when we talked about uh, the MOU from last week uh, for the ad hoc cancels that are anticipated and you know drawdowns. And then certainly as well, uh, modeling other ways in which to, to save cash. Uh, the other big overarching theme that our airline and other airlines are watching, of course, is what will happen with the uh, the government aid that's on Capitol Hill and be debated at this time. Yeah, actually, since you bring that up, there is a call to action going on right now for um, Alpa pilots. If you log on to the alpa.org website, it should be front and center. And uh, Congress is working on getting that cash out to the airlines, and we want to make sure that it is done in a way that benefits the workers. Um, I mean, as well as the airline, but um, take a look at that. And if you haven't participated in that call to action, please do so. Yeah, it takes all of 30 seconds to do that. And it's not just you, anybody, not just an Alpha pilot, anybody can participate. I put the link up on my Facebook page and I think we're close to 150 participants everybody needs to do that. It really, really uh, is important to every airline, but also to to us as a smaller carrier. So that's briefly what's going on at the national level. Down local level, Will, what's what's going on and what do pilots need to know? Uh, I suppose that I can start by stating the obvious that we know demand is is down here at Alaska. Yeah, you know, the, the seats are empty. I don't have to tell anybody listening to this podcast because you're out flying the line and you see that every day. And I know that that creates a lot of speculation about, okay, well, if Delta has a 70% cut, what does that mean for Alaska? And, you know, as I said in the, the chairman's update earlier this week, we do anticipate that when they do get their analysis done and they have a chance to look at their forward bookings, they'll arrive at some type of a cut. And it's probably going to be somewhere. It's not going to be that, but it's going to be some additional cut. And so the, the question naturally arises about what are we as an association and what is your MEC doing to protect the pilots at Alaska? So, you know, anticipating that that type of uh, a discussion is coming, that they're going to announce some type of a cut. The MEC has been well ahead of that and proactively discussing measures that voluntarily, and I'll repeat that, voluntarily reduce cash burden for the company. 
Um, we do hope to have a, an agreement executed very, very soon. And the things that, uh, that we've looked at and the things that we've explored include the concept of what are called incentive lines or the ability to, in exchange for a reduced guarantee, have no flying obligation, essentially be able to be awarded a line and remain home for a reduced guarantee and uh, enhanced leaves of absence that would include uh, benefits that, that surpass that in Section 13 of the CBA. The, the whole idea is to allow staffing to reduce here before there ever has to be a discussion about involuntary reductions in staffing. Because I know that the discussion's out there, I know the anxiety's out there, and people are starting to whisper and wonder about furloughs. And I can't make that clear enough the company has not said anything to your union about furloughing at this point. Thanks, Will. That's good to hear, and I hope it stays that way. But I think we also need to be candid that we are in a deteriorating situation. And when one looks at where we were even a week ago, it looks very different, and it will likely look different a week from now. In the meantime, we're doing all we can to mitigate pilot impacts as we don't yet know where the bottom is. So, Will, if the company were going to furlough, what would be the next step? What would that look like? As Section 23 says, step one is that ALPA will be notified that a furlough is forecast. Will the notification from management that you just mentioned there in Section 23 triggers all of the furlough mitigation steps that people see in, in Section 23 of the contract? But that's not what's happening now, correct? Correct. I mean, it, it looks and kind of smells the same, and I think that's why the, the confusion is there. But again, the motives here are simply to use kind of some of the same tools outside of Section 23, out of, outside of a formal um, need to notification of furlough in order to reduce headcount and hopefully, like I said, make it so that we never have to have that conversation. Um, you know, as said, there's a, a review of Section 23 will show you that there are notification requirements and then mitigation efforts that are triggered, which is what you just hinted at. And as they say in Section 23 Alpha of the contract, uh, we have not been promptly notified at this point. We're not there. I think we should talk about why it's valuable even to the company to avoid a furlough. That, that this It's very costly and, and difficult. And you know that well, having been uh, the chairman of membership during the last one. Yeah, and actual furlough is absolutely difficult to administer, and it's expensive. Uh, it does make it hard for the airline to return to full operation and potential, and that's obviously one of their concerns is recovery. I mean, they're looking into the future and trying to forecast recovery. And if they see a rapid recovery, then furlough doesn't make sense. It's when you see a protracted lack of demand and the business case can actually be made that it would make sense. Uh, you kind of talked about what are the costs associated with it, what are the factors you have to consider. Um, you end up in a furlough scenario with reduction bids, and you know we're no longer a single fleet airline, so you've got multiple fleets that triggers multiple training events. Um, displacements trigger paid moves, and then retraining on the, the backside costs money. Uh, a number of our pilots who were furloughed ended up coming back having to go through the full program. Right. You know, these things are all expenses. And I think, too, that the people who would be 
in charge of making any decision, a business decision around that type of an involuntary reduction. If we're going to talk furlough, are the same people who learned their lessons back in 08. I've heard numerous times from those same people that any decision to furlough would be the absolute last resort based on, on lessons learned and kind of how things went in 08. Right. I think another issue is the opportunity loss uh, when things turn around. And if it, it's going to take time to spool the airline back up when you have all of those training events that get triggered and you may not be able to take advantage of the growing market because the, the pilots aren't aren't there. Yeah, we I absolutely saw that um, as the I said the the furlough coordinator membership chairman back when we did we were recalling and we had growth opportunities that we literally had to walk away from. Yeah. And, and I think that's some of the lessons that maybe they, they allude to. Yeah, and that that's nice to hear because I remember going through that and we I was a communication chairman at the time and, and we were really trying to express that be careful on how deep you furlough. And it's not something I really wanted to, to dwell on. I just simply know that that conversation's out there because as I said, um, having personally been through a couple of these events and you wake up every day, you turn on you know, the TV or the radio or whatever, and you hear another piece of news and that anxiety is there. And you just, you, you can't help but have it in your conscious. So I think a little discussion around it's healthy, but again, I can't emphasize enough that, you know, essentially what we're doing um, at, you know, here these last couple of weeks with the agreements that were per, uh, that we put into place last week with the uh, MOU, as well as what we will have in place, I hope very, very shortly, we're just taking smart, proactive measures to ensure that that furlough conversation never happens. So. And I hope it never happens, of course. I do think it's worth stating that, just to be clear, we don't know what the future holds, and so we can't say for certain that a furlough won't happen. And we'll maybe move on to a slightly different topic, and I'd like you to talk about the difference between a drawdown of the flight schedule versus a, a drawdown of employees. And I think one thing that's been a little anxiety provoking lately is this announcement from Delta that they're drawing down 70% of their flying. Does that equate to a drawdown of 70% of their pilots? No. And, and I think that's the problem is that there's this easy math that takes place where pilots look at that and automatically correlate that, go to a seniority list and start doing some, uh, some easy math to think, oh my gosh, uh, you know, uh, the the targeted drawdown in terms of block hours or schedule is different than pilot headcount. And you'll see that, um, you know, all things depending upon whatever happens in this industry, those capacity reductions are not going to match what ultimately happens. It's, you know, if there's a target, then there's a lot of things that factor into it. For instance, uh, as we learned back in 08, that obviously programs that we're exploring, like now we just talked about these leaves and voluntary incentive lines, things that uh, that help mitigate the need for involuntary reductions certainly factor in. You've got people who are able to take advantage of um, military leave, personal leaves of a longer duration, so to speak, that all factor into it. And, you know, we did see this, like I said, back in 2008, where there were a number of percentages thrown around that had me, for instance, firmly convinced that I was headed for my second furlough. And yet, in the end, it missed me. And just to be clear, in addition to the things that we've been 
discussing today that, that the MEC is already working on, there would be other things that would trigger further minimization of, of a potential furlough. Oh, yeah, exactly. I mean, there were a number of things in 08, like uh, uh, incentivized retirements that were um, that were floated and done. Um, the concepts of reduced line values. There's a lot of other levers that would get pulled if there was ever anything uh, that was part of the formal Section 23 process over and above what we're doing now. What we're doing now, though, are things that are good for the pilots as well as good for the company. Well, I certainly know firsthand as a communication chairman, there have been a lot of issues that we were trying to triage in a way of getting uh, good, useful information out to the pilot group without overloading them with more emails. Um, what's been going on on your end? You know, what, what, have, what are you seeing that we're dealing with right now? Yeah, that's that's a huge concern and something that we talked about this week with what seemed like endless breaking news. Every day there was something that needed to be communicated. Some of it was just simply to identify that we were aware of things and some things some things were far more material. But just having the ability to reach out to pilots in a way that doesn't spam their inbox and so needing to develop a tool uh, to communicate breaking information but not necessarily fully substantive information, if you will, so that people will actually be able to tune in and pay attention when, when things are important. Uh, that kind of gave rise to um, a good suggestion which came from you and the, the comm staff to develop, um, which I guess what we're calling is the, the chairman's blog or whatnot right. on the, the web page, and just something where in conjunction with uh, TextCaster, which at this point, if you aren't signed up for it, you absolutely need to be to where we could send a text out to pilots like when the, the um, shelter-in-place mandate came in San Francisco and the ability to say, we're aware, go check the blog for the latest information, and it gives us the ability to put out what we know very, very quickly to the pilots. And I realize there's just a handful of things there now, but we built the tool and we're, we're trying to build the, um, the reflex and the muscle memory with the pilot groups that it will become you know, automatic to go check that as things evolve. Yeah, and I'll say a lot of the that kind of work um, is coming from questions that we're getting from the line, and and there are a number of things that we're aware of and are trying to find answers to, but maybe haven't yet. And that's a when we do, that's a great place to put them on that blog. You want to mention what some of those are? Yeah, I, I think one of the we hear loud and clear from the pilots that right now there's a lot of anxiety about going to work. And there's a lot of issues tied in and around that. Um, you know, for instance, you know, obviously pilots who are coming to work now have a somewhat greater level of exposure than somebody who's sheltered right. in place. And they want assurances that they're going to have the same level of priority as other essential services workers, right? First responders. And that has been something that we've advocated for at, even at the national level, saying that we need assurances that when we need testing, when we need medical care, that that will be there uh, as a priority for us in exchange for the risk that we take. Um, I know that there's issues in and around our commuting community, right? And not just the reductions in flights and changing uh, mandates or policies on jump seats and you know transportation to and from your crash pad and being in a crash pad full of people who've commuted in from a whole number of other places. Uh, you know, we don't have concrete answers to some of these things, but the point is, is that a lot of these 
issues are being advocated um, appropriately, whether it's national or whether it's directly asking management for relief, or even if it's just trying to come up with uh, with solutions. You know, it's a little bit of Thunderdome out there, and crews have got to be able to know that they have resources available, even if they're not provisioned appropriately by the company. Um, we do, let me think what else we have, transportation in base, base parking, the buses, the Port of Seattle, uh, obviously food on layovers and you know the, the food resources on airplanes. Um, medicals we've had some success with. Uh, I know that getting in to see your AME in a timely fashion is difficult. Um, and so at the, the local level, I mean, we were able to get an extension to this month's deadline and could petition again uh, if we don't have a more permanent solution for medicals that expire, you know, in April. Um, but also at the national level, they are advocating for and feel that they'll be successful in the extensions to your, your medical um, expiration date. Obviously, the oxygen mask issue mandates to wear the mask. Um, that's being worked on quite actively. Uh, issues in and around training, cockpit cleaning. Hotel closures seem to be another issue that's out there in developing contingency plans for shelter-in-place orders. That doesn't diminish nor change what I hope are open dialogues with your reps, talking to your reps about emergent issues. We would traditionally have one MEC call, which you know runs about 90 minutes or so a week with all of the reps, and at this point, we're about every other day give or take. So there's certainly a very good exchange of information happening with the entire MEC. All right. Well, it's good to know. And as I said, when we have good information, we will post that on on the blog and in some cases elsewhere. But that's a good place to go and look. And I've got the link in the show notes. So if you're following along on your phone, you should be able to go down there and, and link to that. I'd recommend putting that in your saved files and, and just checking back to it periodically. You can find it by going to alaskapilots.org and it's front and center on the members homepage. Another thing I've got in the show notes is the link to sign up for Textcaster. And again, if you haven't done that, now is a really important time to do that because if, if things start changing rapidly and we need to get information to you, that's a, that's a really good way to get it to you right away. Yep, absolutely. I can't think of a better way. It's obviously having to wait for 24 hours or whatnot to, to get definitive information. I'd much rather be able to get information out just as quickly as we can to pilots. Right. All right. Well, well as we close this up, do you have any closing thoughts? Uh, I think I'd start by kind of summarizing what we said at the top is that knowing that this week and seems like every week or every day, is just another opportunity to, you know, find some anxiety in terms of your work environment and not knowing what to expect in the future. And uh, just remind everybody to step back and take kind of that 30,000 foot view of the situation, which is hard, I know, um, and take things just kind of one day at a time and control what we know and not focus necessarily on what we don't know. Uh, because I, I just think that that creates the unnecessary anxiety. Um, we've put a, a comm out this week kind of along those lines, along the anxiety, just to point to the resources that are available from ALPA in order to, you know, if you reach out for any need, we, we do have assistance available. And I think that that's key to remember as, uh, you know, the next few weeks unfold as well. Uh, and finally, I think I said it in that, that last update, but 
you know, adversity really is kind of the, it brings out the best and it brings out the, the worst in people. And when it comes to what I see here at this pilot group, with this pilot group, my conversations with pilots this week, I mean, it really has brought out the best in this pilot group when everybody is shown as true professionals and taking care of each other and taking care of our passengers and, you know, exhibiting that true professionalism that kind of, that underlies kind of what this whole profession is about. And I would just encourage everybody to continue. Yeah, thanks, Will. And you mentioned some of the support that's available. A great first step if uh, anyone wants to take advantage of that is to call the Pilot Peer Support number, and that's 309-PPS-ALPA or 309-777-2572. You'll be connected with a pilot volunteer who will talk to you in a confidential manner and can then connect you with a lot of the other committees that we have for pilot assistance. And, you know, every now and then people need a, a helping hand or a shoulder to lean on. And I think this committee is a, is a great start for that. Yep. And I think, obviously, I want to take an opportunity to thank every one of you who are out there flying every day um, and away from your families when those are very, very tough decisions to be made uh, and anxiety provoking. And, you know, I definitely would be remiss if I didn't take also a moment to thank the volunteers here at Alpa and some of the staff who have really kind of pitched in this uh, these last couple of weeks to um, to help out when we've needed it. Thank you, Will. And I'd like to send out a thank you to those of you listening to this podcast. Staying informed is really important right now. Please help spread the word of what you've heard today. Well, you've been listening to another episode of the Alaska Pilots Podcast. I'm your host, Strategic Communications Chairman Captain David Campbell.